correctly with the correct amount. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. radiocom Welcome to Me and Steve Talk RPGs, a podcast where me and my friend Steve try and help you get the most out of your role-playing game experience. Welcome back to Me and Steve Talk RPGs. I'm here with my friend Steve. Good evening. And we have a very important guest. But before we get to our very important guest, we're going to talk about our podcast for the week, which is the Story Told Podcast. Yes, it is. The Story Told is another podcast here on the D20 Radio Network. It is uh, in many ways kind of similar to this one. Uh, Logan Griffin, and I believe their third host name is Kim. Always. We always fumbled the third host name. <laughs> yes, yes, I do. Um, but it's it's kind of an RPG variety show. They talk about play tips, techniques, GM tips, techniques, a variety of different game systems, largely independent, more narrative-focused games, I would say, as a rule. They're also doing an actual play of Promethean, and I believe they're working on one in City of Mists as well. So uh, if any or all of that interests you, check them out. You can just search The Story Told on any of your podcatchers, or there'll be a link in the show notes for them. So, yeah, check that out, or just go to d20radio.com, and you'll find them and a whole bunch of other cool podcasts and blog articles and fun stuff. Very, very awesome. Well, we have a guest, so I'm going to leave it up to you to introduce our guest so I don't fumble my words. <laughs> <laughs> well, at this point, I may have to make some sort of silly sounder to put in in post because this is a momentous occasion, Steve. Yes. Our guest has achieved honorary Stevedom as this is Woo-hoo. their third appearance on the podcast. So, um, Cliff, a.k.a. Steve Lambert, <laughs> is from Bragging Unicorn Games. He's been here before to talk Shadowrun and Fall in Love's Not in Line. But he has a project that is out now on Kickstarter, and he's come to talk with us about it tonight. So uh, welcome to the show, Cliff. Yeah, thanks for having me back. It's uh, great to be here. I always appreciate being on the Me and the You Talk RPGs podcast. Well, we always appreciate having you on. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh... Where do you want to start with your little project? I I remember you hinting at it or, or, you know, us talking about it. And I honestly don't remember if it was while we were actually recording the very first time you were on with us. You had mentioned this thing you were working on and you're kind of like, well, it's it's sort of Doom and Morkborg and roguelike. And at the time, I didn't know what roguelike was. I still only have a concept of it, but I get it in a way. And it sounded really cool. So yeah, the. uh uh, the project that I was just having some initial ideas for way back then uh, is now the tabletop role-playing game Hellslayers, which is built off of Morkborg, which has a very uh, generous third-party game license uh, where you can essentially make products using their their rules pretty much however you want, as long as you follow a few basic rules, including a you know posting up a compatible with Morkborg uh, logo and a statement that you're not officially uh, affiliated with them. And um, you know, and you're not a you know fascist jerk. So yeah, uh, so I uh, when I was reading over Markborg back then, um, I just got inspired to to make this game, and I've been 
working on it for uh, one fashion or another off and on for several years now. And I've been working on getting the Kickstarter campaign together with Rem Alternus, who's been running the Kickstarter campaign for me Mm -hmm. for a little over a year now. And uh, now the Kickstarter campaign is live and we're a week in as the time of recording this and also fully funded. We got some stretch goals to go, but uh, yeah, the initial goal has been met. So this book is going to be a thing now. Congratulations on that. I'm sure that was a very, very pleasant feeling when that crossed that threshold. Yeah, it felt really good. Um, Overall, the weeks felt pretty good. My reaction to the progress of the Kickstarter campaign is is definitely, it's way better than I feared. Um, Maybe not quite as good as I hoped it would be, because we we always hope for that that, that, that first day hitting the goal then, and it's all stretch goals from there. So it's a little bit more like, is it going to happen or is it going to go? But no, it's been exciting to watch the numbers go up and, I've been doing a pretty good job of not obsessively refreshing the page. <laughs> like check it only a few times each day. But uh, yeah, it was really nice to see it go over the goal and uh, really looking forward to yeah, hitting some of the stretch goals because I put a lot of stuff in there that I just really wanted to do anyway, but um, you know, thought it was a nice add-on to, to put it as a stretch goal. Mm-hmm. But I think I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, as far as the <laughs> kind of game it is, yeah, it's very Doom-inspired. It's sort of sci-fi horror-inspired, not just by Doom, but uh, films like Aliens, um, other computer games of like a sort of a survival horror genre in the sci-fi horror area, like a System Shock, a Half-Life series. Um, there's some board games that uh, have been inspired, but I don't want to mention them because their producers are particularly known for being litigious. And uh, <laughs> I don't want to admit that that I've also been inspired with that by them, even though it's a, you know, there's there's no, um, there's definitely no infringement going on here. But uh, I just uh, want to be careful about mentioning that. Well, I mean, that's what, like, John Fogarty got sued by his record company for songs he wrote sounding like songs he wrote. <laughs> Let's just say that it's a, <laughs> it's a certain British company that makes a, a, a game uh, that uh, involved um, Marines in space going through hulks um you know, damn litigious fighting Come monsters on. and stuff so no yeah uh that's that's no. definitely uh one of my inspirations for hell slayers as well though i think the the biggest influence is definitely doom like classic doom my uh, youngest son has gotten really into programming and uh writing music and modding and he created a uh essentially a wad which is like a like an episode file for doom for original doom uh, including like um something like 13 full episodes with the original soundtrack. And that was something that he was kind of doing around the time I was coming up with these ideas. So um, he does some really neat, exciting stuff. So I had Doom on the brain as well at the time. <laughs> well, you know who one of the people who worked on that was from the RPG scene, don't you? Uh, yes. Um, though I'm drawing a blank on his name uh, right now. Um, Sandy Peterson. Thank you. Yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, he uh, does a lot of Call of Cthulhu stuff as well but yeah he was originally i was yeah i was kind of surprised looking into him fairly recently uh yeah that he was uh, involved in the original uh doom which is pretty cool yeah it's amazing the the cross-pollination game design you know i i don't know exactly how this connects other than i know like uh mike pondsmith did some time working for microsoft on i believe was the ultima series and um bruce naismith who's probably best known as being the lead dev for um, Skyrim, actually got his start in game design at TSR. Hmm. Wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh... But uh, so, yeah, I mean, so we've got um, 
lots of big bloody shooty things in space, which I'm going to say, having played Morkborg and Cyborg, I feel like that's right in that street. Yeah, I like to think of it as a hack and slash of Morkborg that's a, it's a different genre of metal, but it's still definitely metal. <laughs> it's more about like uh, going into combat and being a badass. Uh... I think both me and Steve, well, you're, I know you're like a, a thrash metal kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Right, Steve? I think yeah. that's that's what this is, basically. Morkborg is like death, like that Norwegian death metal. This is, it feels very thrash. Like, yeah, I just get a lot of that fast speed metal. Yeah, I'd say so. And I honestly, I think this is awesome. I, I really do. <laughs> I've looked and stared at this and I was been so excited about it when I first heard about it way back when. And I'm so happy to see it in person now. Well, not in person, but, you know, see it actualized. It, I, it's a, it's a, I think you couldn't have picked a better system, honestly. I, I love that Morkborg system, and I think it fits this amazingly well. I, I think it's going to be, I'm, I'm really excited, man, honestly. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. It's, a, it's been really fun to play. Um, everyone that I played it uh, with and ran it for has walked away going, that saying that they really had a great time. Uh, so uh, that makes me feel pretty good about the design. Um, it's uh, it's using the Markboard rules, though I did a few things to kind of make it my own. It's it's also very sort of focused on the the missions, which are sort of like sci-fi dungeon crawls. One of my design goals was just to sort of approach doing dungeon crawls uh, in a fun way that skips all the tedious parts that I don't like about dungeon crawls. Well, that also ties in, like you were saying, with the Doom inspiration, where you're effectively clearing levels. Yeah. Uh, each uh, the the game is structured so that you go on missions. Each mission is made up of anywhere from one to four sections, depending on the mission. Each section is sort of like a level that has different uh, rooms that you would go through. They might be arranged in different ways, uh, the different sizes with different challenges in them. Uh, there's various hazards involved or enemies you might face, loot you might need to or want to find, uh, things you might need to repair in order to access their areas. Uh, most sections will have a hidden area, so you need to uh, go bumping up against some walls or, you know, search search for secret doors <laughs> and uh, access that if you want to. Uh, sometimes, um, well, each section is, actually has an optional objective that you want to achieve in order to get uh, these things called objective points, which um, sort of build into the roguelike mechanic, which we haven't really mentioned much yet, except for you mentioning it early on. And then you have a primary mission objective that you're trying to complete overall throughout those levels. Okay. So why don't you talk about that roguelike mechanic? So are you, like, obviously in roguelikes, it's a lot of, I redo it again, except it's going to be different this time. So how are you incorporating that into the RPG itself? Yeah, so uh, the roguelike aspect is actually inspired by more recent video games, like, uh, see, Hades, Dead Cells, uh, Slay the Spire. Um, I could go on and name more but those are some of the ones i played a bunch of um one of the uh concepts is you you're probably going to die you're probably not going to make it through your first time uh, but when you do uh you start again with some sort of advantage or bonus based on what you accomplished in your previous runs so in hell slayers um you, your characters are relatively fra relatively fragile you're sent into uh, dangerous situations with uh quite under equipped for them so you definitely want to find some loot uh, but you you know you're likely to not have what you need to really face all the enemies that you're going to face uh so you're bound to end up uh someone's going to end up dying 
Um, <laughs> and when you do, you make a new character, and uh, based on however many objective points you've achieved so far, there's also things called boss points for for fighting and defeating a boss, and uh, a few other things sort of play into this. You get additional bonus choices with your new with your next character. So your next character starts out a little bit more effective than your than uh, an initial starting character. So in a sense, you you I'm assuming that takes you say give or take to approximately a level state with say any members of your party that didn't die. Uh, it definitely gives gives you a booster leg up. Um, uh, it's meant to take take the sting out of uh, you know having your character get killed and uh, starting out with a new one. Uh, character creation is really fast. Like um, your first character might take you ten minutes. Uh, if you start dying left and right, it can take a, a minute or two to to bring a new one in. Oh, I like hearing that, especially in a roguelike game like this. You, you can't have character creation take too long in a game like this. It it really can't. Well, and I mean, even, you know, the engine it's based off of is incredibly quick to create characters for. Yeah, I don't quite have it down to the 10-minute science, so. <laughs> but, yeah, I feel that. Yeah, it's a pretty pretty quick and simple. You uh, you first pick a, an MOS, which is a class in in uh, in Hellslayers, and you got essentially four different uh, MOSs, uh, five if we hit our first stretch goal. Uh, it's the Grunt, the Engineer, the Medic, and... Um, uh, the scout, and each different MOS has a certain uh, a, a different um, chart you roll on a D6 to see what equipment you start out with, and uh, that's different for each class or MOS. There's also a list of powers that are MOS powers that you start with one of those, and you roll randomly on a chart of D6, and there's uh, those are different for each class. So uh, the grunt will have things that help them hit more and do more damage. The scout will have things that make them move more quickly or be able to uh, locate trouble or, or bypass barriers. Uh, the engineer will have uh, sort of interesting tech uh, support powers. The medic's going to have healing-related stuff. Uh, the psychic, well, we'll see. <laughs> Got to leave something up to the imagination. Yeah, every initial Hell Slayer starts with um, pistol, 20 bullets, uh, pretty basic uh, armor, a uh, ration pack, uh, which helps them heal between sections, and uh, really not much else. Uh, whatever they get on their, uh, with one roll on their equipment chart and one roll on their uh, power chart. Though so if it's uh, your second or third or more character, you may be able to, to get more rolls or add more bonuses to things. And then, um, like Morkborg, you have four traits, strength, toughness, uh, presence, and agility. And use those for different things. Um, your starting character will will have a uh, plus one in one of those, based on your MOS choice. And then you also have a terrible trait that starts at minus one. And then uh, you also get to add another plus one to any trait you want, except for your terrible trait. Okay. Once you've done that, uh, there's a couple of other things like picking a name or rolling to see which your uh, which corporation has sponsored you. But uh, other than that, you've got your, your hit points, which are based on 8 plus or minus your toughness. And uh, you have two badass points, which are essentially um, resources for re-rolling and doing other cool stuff during the game. And then your character's good to go. Well, that sounds cool. Yeah, that sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really does. And I, I kind of like how it, it... So how do I want to say... I like how it kind of does have almost a classic video game feel to it, which... I wouldn't say I like in all RPGs, but in this, it feels right. You know, like, I, I don't know how else to say it, right? Like, I, I've I've grumbled uh, many, many times 
that one of my complaints about fourth edition, the big ampersand game was that it felt like they were trying to make a tabletop version of an MMO, which given the context of the time that was, I completely understand why they might try to do that. But in this and knowing that, you know, the classic doom was part of the inspiration, it feels right. And I'm hoping too, that you've kind of retained that. And this is just the feeling I've got from, from playing both cyborg and Morkborg. They're both games that, just wants you to go big and if you succeed great and if you don't it's going to be spectacular anyway i've described characters in cyborg as fireworks <laughs> they're really awesome and then they explode and and that's exactly exactly what i want out of a, a, a doom-esque like tabletop rpg i absolutely want characters that are insane and and ridiculous and then all of a sudden dead and that is amazing <laughs> yeah uh, again it's an understatement to say i'm excited for this it really is so you mentioned a stretch goal uh what's your what are you looking at to get to that stretch goal so right now you're you're just over funding at five thousand fifty eight dollars um yep. what's your first stretch goal first stretch goal is six thousand dollars so okay I think I made it nice and easy to reach. <laughs> um, yeah, you're not too far off to get that that first stretch goal, which is, as you mentioned, that's going to be the unlocked character, the new character. Yep, a new MOS, which is the psychic or psionic. I haven't decided which I'm going to call it, but either way, it's going to be an MOS. It's going to have like weird powers that uh, probably can backfire in particularly spectacular ways. I'll just I'll help you tip the scales a little bit. I'm a fan of the term psionic <laughs> over psychic, <laughs> but I get you. Yeah, that's awesome. So, I yeah, I, I think within your time frame, fingers crossed, we should be able to get there easily. But that's awesome. I'm excited to hear that. Uh, any other notable stretch goals from there that you'd like to, you know, aiming, really aiming for or hoping to hit? I mean, obviously all of them, but... <laughs> I feel like I uh, kind of wanted to front load a bunch of cool stuff that I really wanted to include in the game is early stretch goals. So the first two stretch goals are basically a thousand dollars apart. Uh, so the we got the six thousand dollar one introduced to the psychic MOS. Uh, then at seven thousand dollars, we have some new weapons that will be designed and added to the game. At eight thousand dollars, it will be a new rogue AI faction, which will essentially uh, send drones and robots against you, but also probably introduce uh, new technical challenges as the environment becomes hostile. Uh, and then uh, to potentially deal with that at $9,000, there will be advanced hacking mechanics added to the game. And uh, the one I'm probably most excited about is the at $10,000, we're going to create an original soundtrack, mm. which I'll be uh, collabing with my son on. I was going to say, I know from from following you on Facebook and such that you have a background in music. Yeah. So, yeah, I saw that. And I was wondering if, if that was going to be largely your work or collaboration or... Yep, I'm gonna collaborate with my uh, my youngest uh, son, who uh, who's already made a lot of music in the genre, you know, created for his Doom mod. It's right, pretty right. awesome stuff. Yeah, it that's amazing and fantastic, um, <laughs> because yeah, I uh, those the the Doom music is iconic <laughs> in a lot of ways, and and especially you saying about your son having an understanding of that that game deeply and building a wad out of it and 
you know, I'm sure he has a deep understanding of how that music is made and what the tone that you're going for and all that fun stuff. So that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I think um, I think those are all the th- all the stretch goals that I think I can reasonably expect that we're going to hit. There are a couple more that I think are more, you know, if uh, we get a bit more popular than I expect, then maybe we'll hit these other ones. If 15K, we'll add a new written adventure to the book, because the book already includes sort of a, a framework of generating adventures for you on the fly, uh, so you can jump into the game with little to no prep. But uh, as it is, there's no sort of like actually narratively written adventure, uh, which I think that would be a neat thing to add as a stretch goal. But that's at the 15K level. And then at 20K, there's bot support on Discord by my friend uh, Carlton, who's who's the creator of Exploding Dice, which is a really nice dice bot on uh, Discord that does a lot more. It can do a lot of character tracking things. Uh, it has an, an initiative rolling and tracking feature that uh, makes playing Shadowrun a lot faster and easier. And the bot support on Discord for Hellslayers will essentially generate missions, track enemies for you, uh, if you want to use it to that degree, it can uh, essentially track your character's hit points and resources, uh, sort of all built into there. Uh, so it could be a really useful GM assistant and player assistant while you're playing the game, but also um, also very useful if you just want to go GMless and you know, play with a, a group of people over Discord. Cool. Very cool. But uh, that's at 20K. Um, I, I don't think we're going to hit that number, at least according to our progress. But, you know, I, I'm still hopeful. It, it would be really awesome. Well... I I hope you get there because I just think it all sounds really cool. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm with you there. I, I, I just <laughs> like I remember playing Doom in college, which has been way too many years ago. Uh, <laughs> in fact, I still actually remember two of the cheat codes for the game. Why I have no idea. <laughs> but I remember Some the codes for the unlimited you. ammo and weapons and the god mode. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I heavens. I mean, that was on Windows three one one machines. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one of my um, earliest memories of multiplayer computer gaming was at uh, my first year at college. Essentially, getting a Doom two installed on a bunch of computers in a computer lab, which we totally weren't supposed to do. But you know, <laughs> there were no real protections from us doing it. And uh, yeah, playing uh, multiplayer Doom two, it was uh, it was really cool. It, we were just doing essentially um, a free-for-all deathmatch, just running around, fighting and killing each other. But the the concept of playing a computer game with multiple people, each on a different computer at the same time, was uh, really novel at the time. This is the only thing even close. I'm, I'm assuming we're in roughly the same age bracket, based on you know, some of the stuff you've said. I would say the only thing even close to that at that point would have been the text-based, you know, like MUDs and stuff. You know, which obviously are very different from Doom, which was obviously very graphic heavy. I mean, for the era anyway. Yeah, I I did a bit of that too back in the day. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to add is so based on, again, my experiences with Morkborg, Cyborg, not saying that they're not capable of playing a longer form game, but given what those seem to do well. What you've said about this, is this more intended as kind of a, let's call it serial one-shot game? Or like, given the way you're structuring the missions, it almost sounds like it'd be a great game to run, say, at your local game store on Saturday night for whoever shows up. And if you have reoccurring characters, fine. If you don't, fine. 
I think it would work really well in both situations. There is an overall campaign structure uh, kind of inspired on and, and based on uh, Morkborg's uh, uh, Psalms and uh, Apocalypse uh, sort of system. Um, there are uh, there are doomsday clock events that are happening. So in the setting of uh, Hellslayers, it's a not too distant future. Uh, the earth is dying. Uh, there's sort of uh, economic and ecological disasters, wars going on, uh, just horrible pollution. And uh, uh, essentially the earth is, is going to die, like in everything on it. That, that's sort of a given. It's just a matter of when. The humanity's survival depends on the humans who have essentially extended themselves out beyond Earth into the solar system. Uh, no one's really done the whole FTL thing just yet, but uh, that's essentially the situation Hellslayers are in. The the sort of major power is the Lunar Corporate Alliance. Uh, there's sort of a really big moon base with lots of uh, uh, headquarters from the major corporations, and uh, they're sort of uh, doing their best to hold things together uh, and profit at the same time. And it, try to essentially survive uh, these disasters. But of course, there's a uh, uh, hostile aliens showing up uh, and causing problems. Uh, experiments have resulted in uh, opening rifts to a hell-like place where demons come through. Uh, there's hostile space fascists who uh, have massive city ships. They, they go around and uh, essentially blow things up and capture people and uh, uh, enslave them. Uh, so these are these are the foes that the LCA sends Hellslayers to go take on and defeat. It just sounds cool. I know we keep saying that, but it does. <laughs> like, yeah, it, I, I I can't wait. I, I'm so excited. I I know I've said that like four times now, but that sounds it sounds so cool. It sounds so doom. I think this would be the a great, great drop dropout type of game. Because you could just basically, you know, from the way you're so making everything sound structured, you could run a campaign where, you, you know, maybe each episode per se, you have a new group of players or a new group of, or not even necessarily a new group of players. Maybe you just have somebody drop and that's okay. And it's just, ha, ah, I'm so excited. <laughs> now, the way the, uh, the Doomsday Clock stuff works is uh, every time you start a mission, there's a chance that... Um, that you'll trigger a doomsday event, and there's a D66 chart of different events that might happen. All of them involve something horrible happening somewhere, probably thousands or millions of people dying, big, massive disasters. And uh, some of them will essentially inform you what your mission is going to be reacting to that. So it might tell you what faction you're going up against next. Um, others, others of them don't define that. But uh, once you trigger the seventh doomsday event, um, that's it. Uh, the Earth dies, it's over with, and all that's left of humanity is uh, what's left out in the solar system. And um, uh, you essentially, you go to an epilogue mission, which is uh, extra difficult. If you succeed, you get a bonus on a final roll that's based on some other factors to see whether or not humanity survives based on your efforts, or whether essentially it will just die out and this is the last gasp. So there's this sort of final role at the very end to see, like, is it the end or is there some some hope for for survival? And uh, your actions as Hell Slayers have some influence on on uh, whether or not that happens. But so does the dice roll. Well, I just like I like it. I mean, I feel like that that 
that stays true to kind of that Mork Borg doomsday thing, right? But it also is what you do can matter, but it might not, which is kind of this sort of weird thing, but I get it. <laughs> yeah, I, I honestly, it's just a, I can't help but add some sort of hopeful element to even the, the darker games that I create. <laughs> In this game, your characters are likely to get killed. There's lots of horrible things happening all over the place. Um, but, you know, there is some hope for humanity's survival, and I like the idea of having some player agency in that. Well, I think that's, that's cool. And I think I know that the term I was looking for before is serial campaigns, mm-hmm. almost like a, like a TV show where you can keep going. But like you said, there is kind of like this impending countdown, um, all that. I... And even your characters that survive have a limited lifespan in the game, uh, because once you survive three missions, your character is promoted. And you essentially, uh, they're too important to send on on uh, suicide missions. Uh, so they're sort of retired to uh, to more strategic roles. And oh, you so you're doing, the, character. you're doing the Darkest Dungeon 2 thing of, oh, you're too important. You go over here. <laughs> I haven't played that game enough to get to that point. But, uh, ah, but they, yeah, it's, yeah, uh, they, it's definitely if, that if you kind can, of vibe. Yeah, if you can keep your character alive for long enough, they, they basically... All right, you get to have a kid, and your kid is is, or essentially a kid. Your your protege is is uh, the one that takes over for you. You don't get to keep that same character forever. So that's that's awesome. I'm I'm glad to hear that exists in this game. And essentially, based on how many promotions you manage to do during the campaign before the end, that's that's one of the major factors that affects that final dice roll. Okay. Because they're not just three missions, they have to be three successful missions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's a measure of some, you know, some significant success. Now, a question I'm going to ask, just because I've had a lot of people, Morkborg, Cyborg, the, specifically the Stockholm Cartel products, right? They have a very distinctive style to them, which most people either love or hate. Are you going for that kind of avant-garde graphic design in this? Or you kind of, because like the art you have up on the Kickstarter page feels kind of in the Morkborgish vein, but I don't see the sometimes hard to read graphic elements that are common in the Stockholm Cartel games. And like I said, they're, they're a love-hate thing. I think specifically in the case of Cyborg, it really adds to the game. You know, I kind of like them, but I understand that for some people it can make it more difficult. Is that something you've embraced or not using somewhere in the middle? <laughs> so there's aspects of the uh, sort of Morkborg cyborg um, layout style that I am utilizing, which has to do with essentially, um, you know, a sparse presentation of material uh, trying to get to condense uh, important things into a single page of information uh, for that that level of detail. It, it goes a little bit more texty, I think, than Morkborg does, but mm-hmm. still kind of goes for that uh, sparse and um, art-heavy look. Um, but what I haven't gone with is uh, sort of harsh color contrasts, mm-hmm. uh, things that are more difficult to read or wildly different fonts. I might lean into some more of that as I go forward with the final layout version, because uh, the one that's uh, sort of out there now, which um, something I haven't quite mentioned yet, is um, 
but very soon on drive through RPG. Um, probably by the time this this podcast get, gets released, the uh, um, the early access pre-release PDF of Hell Slayers will be available as a pay what you want on drive through RPG. And if you're a Kickstarter backer, uh, you can check your messages in the message uh, that is the uh, update from saying, hey, we hit the goal, uh, has a Google Drive link to the same file, which you can get right away. If you're a backer, I expect you would not pay to download the file off of the Kickstarter uh, page, but I had to put some sort of a number in for the suggested price. So uh, go ahead and ignore that if you're a backer or just uh, grab the Google Drive file. So, you know, there is a, a, a PDF that's out there um, that has the game as it is in its current state, uh, which is, I've attempted to lay out uh, art as artistically as possible with my limited artistic skills, which are quite limited, uh, using a bunch of uh, stock art that I was able to find and utilize, because uh, I didn't want to use um, AI-generated images as, as part of the layout. But overall, I think it looks pretty good and it works pretty nice. Uh, there's definitely still rough edges to smooth out and some things to add and finish up, um, hopefully from stretch goals as well. But uh, yeah, overall, I, I think if you take a look at it, um, it should feel like a game that has grown out of Morkborg, but it, it's definitely got its own, it's got its own style on several levels. Mm -hmm. One of which being the art style is definitely going to be different. Another being the sort of... Um, the hopeful element at the end of the world, uh, maybe, or maybe it's a false hope to string you along. <laughs> um, maybe it's just cruel. We'll, we'll see how it plays out in your particular case. But there's something right about that. It feels like somehow I don't. I don't know why, but it it feels like you were saying. Be it kind of a cruel false hope or possibly legitimate, just feels right with this. Feels right to me. <laughs> so, well, that, I appreciate that's that. good considering you know your name's on the cover. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what kind of just for anyone who you know, like I've got the page open now. Obviously, anyone can go to it and look at it. But yeah, what kind of backer levels are you looking for? You know, what are people you know going to have to to invest to to get in on the Kickstarter or you know? So any support is welcome, of course. But the rewards start at twenty dollars, which gets you the PDF. Uh, the final PDF version. Uh, $40 gets you the PDF and the hardcover, which will be shipped from uh, DriveThruRPG. And uh, those are sort of the the main ones. Um, there's the extra uh, ones above, uh, above that uh, have some um, just sort of fun add-on bonuses. Like um, at $100, you get the, the PDF and the hardcover, but also you get a seat at the table, a virtual table, of a game that I'm going to run for... Uh, you and a number of other backers at the same level. At $250, you get to create a custom monster for the book with me, uh, and um, that also includes the, the hardcover and the PDF. At $500, I will run a game for you and your gaming group, you and up to three of your friends. Uh, also, you get the book. And at $1,000, which uh, I think one of those has already been taken, uh, you get to uh, work with me to create a new threat faction for the game. And of course, you get the book and PDF. Mm -hmm. And I see you also have a retailer tier. Oh, yeah, I included one uh, retailer tier or, you know, a pack of uh, five for your gaming group. I think that one's $160, yeah. yeah. You get five copies of the hardcover and five copies of the PDF. And so you can probably make as many copies of the PDF as you want at that point, but, you know, you get five five download codes. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, I mean, what else do you have that you'd like to tell us about with this? Because I, I, like... 
what you've said, I'm on board 100% here, but, you know, I, I don't know what other goodies you have hidden in there or that you uh, want to let, you know, to hint at. So, yeah, just uh, dropping a few hints, uh, you know, a lot of the character options and the character uh, MOS powers or things you can get include things like uh, uh, cybernetics, uh, different drones you can use to help you out. Um, you can also get your hands on bigger guns, better armor. You've got things like uh, power armor that you can acquire in the game or a combat chainsaw. Uh, those are sort of already there. So lots of fun stuff there. The enemy factions you'll be going up against, there's zombified humans, uh, aliens, uh, which some of them have psychic powers of their own or, or psionic, depending on what we end up calling it. There's the uh, space fascists uh, that essentially have uh, human shields they send after you if you... Uh, take out the uh, the bad guys first, uh, then those people will uh, uh, surrender and you'll get to rescue them. And of course the demons, which are essentially very much inspired by the, the Doom demons. Um, we've got uh, uh, the Bull Demon, which is uh, essentially the Pinky, uh, the Demon Warrior, of course, which uh, has a, a rocket launcher, or one of them does. Uh, that might be the Boss Demon, now that I think of it. But um, yeah, lots of uh, different enemies to face. Each have their own different uh, sort of encounter charts to roll. Uh, so a lot of cool stuff. Uh, game mechanics-wise, it's uh, very much uh, Morkborg uh, with a few additions. Uh, you get two actions per turn that you can use to either move or attack or do something else. There's a sort of zone-based uh, systems for range and movement uh, to keep things really quick and easy. Short range is within your zone. It's for melee attacks and short range uh, ranged attacks. Uh, one zone away would be one movement move action to get to, or uh, one zone away would be uh, medium range for you. You would need uh, ranged weapons to make most attacks. Uh, so there's um there's a little bit more tactical movement stuff built into the game than than standard Morkborg. Um, but the other big mechanic that I've sort of added in, I'm pretty proud of, uh, which is unique to this game, is uh, a painful success mechanic. And what this does is allows you to succeed anyway on a failed roll by paying the price. Uh, an easy example of that is if you're attacking with a pistol and you roll and you miss, you can take a painful success and expend an additional D4 bullets to hit anyway. But the idea of like, um, it kind of fits the video game theme where I don't know if you played uh, like a lot of those, like especially the, um, uh, what's the term? The, uh, the survival horror where ammo is scarce and you have to kind of decide like, do I just take a shot and uh, hope for the best or do I really sort of, uh, you know, squeeze off a few extra rounds to make sure I kill the thing so I don't get hurt. Awesome. Uh, so that's one example, but almost every role that you make in health layers has an option for painful success. <laughs> I like that. I really do. I, I agree. I like causing some pain to my players to make things happen the way they want them to happen. <laughs> and it also feels better, you know, uh, nobody likes when your dice roll is, I roll a hit, you miss, turns over. You know, right. that that sucks. But if you have some agency in that, and like, well, I could spend the extra bullets, even if you choose not to and take the miss, uh, there's still, still more of your player agency involved in, in that uh, interaction in, in the story. Exactly. You still had the thought in your head cross of, I, I, I could if I really needed it to. And, mm -hmm. and that opens it up in spots where they actually really need it to, you know, it's, <laughs> that's awesome. I, I dig it. I dig it. I mean, yeah, I feel, I feel, <sighs> I feel especially good about the painful success mechanic. Cause as far as I know, it's unique. 
I haven't seen it anything quite exactly like it in any of the role playing game. It's uh, yeah, definitely I... partially inspired by the partial su- success or the yes but kind of uh, mechanics of like Forge in the Dark or Apocalypse World or like a fate where you can spend fate points to upgrade a success level, but um, it's not quite the same thing. Yeah, I can't quite think of a anything that's got that same kind of vibe. I was going to say, kind of like the fail forward thing is is becoming fairly prevalent, but the succeed at a cost, like like I can't off the top of my head, you know, like I I know there are games that have you can chance things on a reroll. Yeah, I mean, but, given the the possibilities of what might be out there. Uh, you know, it's entirely possible that, that the mechanic does exist somewhere else. But as, as far as my experience goes, I, I made up a new thing, and that feels pretty cool. Awesome. 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 Mm-hmm. Any final thoughts here before we move into the next segment? And then also anything you would like to promote, you know, Twitter or anywhere, anywhere aside from the Kickstarter that you would like to be followed or seen at? Well, there's the Kickstarter, uh, kickstarter.com slash projects slash fragging unicorns slash hellslayers, or just Google hellslayers Kickstarter. Uh, that'll get you there. Or you can go to fraggingunicorns.com and there's a link from there as well. There will also be a link down in the description below that people can follow straight to it. Uh, there's a waiting period, I guess, when you post at least somewhat at my tier of creator uh, publishes a new document on DriveThruRPG. Uh, for the general public, uh, so I'm waiting for that to process before I can uh, fully release the uh, Hellslayer's early access PDF to the world. But okay. um, I think it'll be out by the time this episode drops. So if I can, I'll uh, try to remember to send you that link as soon as, as soon as I have it, or feel feel free to reach out and remind me. Both of us try to remember, and hopefully one of us will. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You'll get a message six months later. Oh, shit. That thing came out, didn't it? <laughs> well, I mean, even honestly, even if you get it, you know, in the episode, I can go back in and edit the show notes. It's not a, you know. Yeah. Not a hard I'm just thing joking. It, it's, it's a product of ADHD. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, otherwise to promote fraggingunicorns.com, we've got some cool games up there already. Uh, Misspent Youth Fall in Love Not Online, uh, another one of my babies created that with a number of other people. Um, it was actually sort of my first main RPG that I kickstarted. Well, there's also another one on my itch.io page, which is a little bit more obscure, called uh, Funny Freakout. Uh, that one I did as part of a zine quest. That was my first dipping my toes into game design with a Kickstarter behind it. And that funded well. At, uh, it was very, very low stakes. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, if you want to check that out, there's community copies available. That's sort of a fun um, party game style RPG. Uh, very loosely inspired by Forge in the Dark mechanics-wise, where you play as a crew of people trying to pull off a horror comedy prank show, uh, a la Scare Tactics or uh, some other similar show. And uh, sort of flips the player and GM dynamic, because the players are the ones that are uh, pulling off the, the prank, and the GM is essentially role-playing as the mark and keeping score. So uh, setting the stage and controlling the pace of things is pretty much all in the hands of the of the players. And your goal is to make things weird or fun enough before the mark becomes too suspicious or without uh, making them feel too terrified or uh, otherwise give them bad feelings. Because you want them to ultimately have a good time in the end uh, and make it a fun show. 
but that, that that that's a pretty fun game um and you can get that for free um as a community copy from my itch.io page or i think uh, i forget what the price is it's like five or ten dollars okay what's the name of that one again uh, funny freak out okay if i uh my, my speech sounds a little weird it's um i had an incident at gen con where i was out with friends and um Something happened where my blood pressure dropped severely, and then I passed out while walking and then hit the sidewalk with my face. That was very rude of the sidewalk. Yeah, <laughs> it was. It was uh, quite rude. Um, I'm okay, as far as I know. All the initial major tests have, haven't shown up anything unpleasant or dangerous. But yeah, I'm still waiting to um, get the de- dental care I need to have my mouth back to normal. <laughs> Teeth were broken. Uh, my nose was broken. Um there are other other unpleasant things like bruised ribs and uh, stitches. Mm-hmm. Not fun. Don't recommend. No. Does not. No, those fun. are those are not fun episodes. By uh, I have a family member that that had a similar episode a while ago, and yeah, it never did find any sort of actual cause, but caused considerable things to deal with for a long time. Yeah, well, I mostly recovered from that, but. Uh, well, that's yeah, getting in to see the dentist is uh, much longer wait times than than the other than getting into the doctor. Yeah, that can happen. All right, so anything else? Uh, no, that's all. Just uh, want to say thanks again for having me on. I definitely appreciate it. I appreciate the assistance boost in the signal for Hell Slayers because um, I think it's a fun game, and um, I would love to see some of those stretch goals get hit and more people check it out and play it. I know we've got a local kind of community here that is specifically very into retro video games and tabletop games. So this may tickle some fancies in in that front. If you're uh, curious about the game, feel free to go to DriveThruRPG and grab a pay-what-you-want copy. Uh, So that means you can grab it for free if you want, uh, and you'll be able to check it out and play the game in its current state, also knowing that it's going to be better when when the final release comes out uh, by June of next year. Okay. Awesome. Yes. Well, with all that being said, let's go ahead and move into Game of the Week. Woohoo! Game of the Week! Game of the Week! Game of the Week! All right. So you have played this game before, Cliff, but uh, would you like one of us to go first to kind of re- reacquaint you with how we play by the rules that aren't there? Uh, sure, why not? I've been talking a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I will yield the floor to someone else. All right, Steve, you or me? Uh, it could be either of us. I have one here ready to go. Okay. Uh, so I have a game called White Dog Whiskey, and I will throw up a link in the guest green room. Just bear with me here. All right. I'm intrigued by the title, at least. It is a little pay-what-you-want 12-page RPG uh, just released on the 20th, so about a week ago at this point. It's an introspective role-playing game about wandering community and folklore set in North America between 1860 and 1920. It blends the human with the odd, including uh, extrasensory perceptions and folk tales as a core part of the game. So, yeah, this is it's a game set in, in a particular area of the country that is fascinating. <laughs> And just mm-hmm. really, really cool. And a really interesting time period. You know, I'm a huge history nerd, and this is like perked my ears immediately. Yeah, and it looks like this is kind of like a, almost like a preview edition based on what I'm reading of 
of a bigger game that is still in the works. Yeah, it is. Or at least it feels that way. Um, but I, I, I want to get, I'm, I mean, I have it. I, I got it. But um, I got to have time to read it. But this looks really cool. I'm a sucker for that American folklore stuff. And this just hit me right, right in the right spots. Cool. Cool. Yeah, it does look uh, really like there, there's a lot there to tap into, you know, mm-hmm. in that era. Yeah. And I'm um curious to see how they handled some things is the mm-hmm. other thing. Yeah. I'm so, definitely intrigued. But that is White Dog Whiskey by uh, the Fruit Basket Press or uh, CJR McGuire. Cool. Cool. Oh, yeah. That just got added like over the weekend. So, yeah. yeah on the 20th. Very new. Yep. All right. Well, would you like me to go or would you like to, sir? Uh, sure, I can go next. Um, okay. So, yeah, a game that I uh, just recently got a chance to start playing. I uh, had my eye on for quite a long time. Uh, picked up the book toward the beginning of this year is Scum and Villainy. It's by Evil Hat Games, and uh, it's a Forge in the Dark RPG where you're a, a crew of uh, characters in a sci-fi setting where you've got a spaceship and you're uh, depending on the ship that you choose, you're either smugglers or bounty hunters or uh, rebels against the hegemony. And uh, either way, you are out on the outskirts of uh, of the uh, sort of uh, known galactic civilization and uh, trying to make it by as a hard scrabble crew of uh, ne'er-do-wells, um, a la Star Wars, Firefly, any number of uh, other uh, shows or series in other genre. And uh, it's a lot of fun. I uh, started playing it uh, with some friends um, after a friend of mine, um, Elizabeth, uh, mentioned at Origins that uh, she GMs a lot of Forge and Dark games, but really doesn't get to play them very often. So uh, I just sort of took that opportunity to say, well, let's do this then. (laughs) Got a a group of players together, and uh, we're in the process of playing and recording those games. Cool. uh, Released as a podcast. Nuts, I forget the name of the podcast. Uh, it's by Rem Alternus, um, the Alternia Archives, I think. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, if you be... look it up or whatever, shoot it to me, I can put it in the show notes. But uh, yeah, mainly we're just doing it for fun, but yeah, recording it as a podcast uh, just uh, because, uh, why not? Well, right, exactly. I mean, especially if you're play- already playing online, yep. like, why not? You know, it, it, as we've had this discussion, you know, like, you can always do nothing with the recording. If you don't record it, you can't ever do anything with the recording. <laughs> that is true. But yeah, I've been, curious, I've been curious about that one for a while. I have a couple Forge in the Dark titles, but that is not among the ones that I currently own. Yeah, I really love the Forge in the Dark system. Uh, I'm, I just personally don't enjoy the the setting of Blades in the Dark as much. Um, it's a great setting. It just uh, it's not a flavor that I just personally enjoy terribly much but like the whole crew of the spaceship trying to go through jobs um on the fringes of galactic civilization uh that's my jam <laughs> yeah i've i mean i've often heard that game sold as um a certain very common property that no longer has mouse ears or at least that version of it doesn't but anyway <laughs> so yeah it's definitely partially inspired by star wars but well i mean um, even just the title but, yeah, uh, I mean that's like a Star Wars reference right there. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, exactly. there's nothing in it that's you know copyright infringement or you oh, know, no, Star I, Wars IP. Let's face it the the core of the Star Wars stories are nothing 
earth shattering or anything. It's just it's been very endearingly executed. Yeah, I could agree with that. It's uh, none of them are terribly complex. Uh, uh, I, I definitely remember the whole like, uh, no, I am your father line being a big bomb drop <laughs> moment uh, for me, at least. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if uh, younger people growing up with so much of that around them, the story already sort of in the public knowledge as much really uh, bump into that sort of as a big realization. Yeah, that is uh, something I wonder about with certain things, right? Is, is you know, what was that like when you didn't know what was coming? But yeah, Scum and Villainy uh, sort of catches that sort of, uh, uh, sort of a rogue crew vibe, which is uh, a lot of fun. Yeah. It's definitely one of my favorite genres, and uh, it's a, it's a well-designed game. Well, that's, that's very cool. All right. Well, if, if you're done with yours, I have something I've found that seems interesting, and that's a game called Citizen Evil, which uh, I'll throw a link up because I can. And uh, this is another, you know, little kind of, it's a what is it, 14-page game, $6.50, based on the trophy game engine, which I'm not personally familiar with, although I've heard of it a number of places. Actually, survival horror is kind of its theme. D6-based system. Basically, you play as a special police unit that goes to deal with, essentially, issues caused by a zombie apocalypse. <laughs> um, Seems very Resident Evil-inspired. Yeah, yeah I'm, well, yeah, Citizen Evil, Resident Evil. I can it's see that. The, the Umbrella Corporation-like logo up there. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's not not a not a subtle reference. <laughs> yeah, well, see, I and I'm there for it. I've I've never actually played those games. I've seen them some, but I never really got into them. There's a lot of stuff I really enjoy about them, but uh, I haven't really played a lot of the super recent ones. But like some of the earlier ones, and uh, I think up through four, I played a fair amount of. They had a really neat one. Um, that I played on, I think it was PS2 at the time, where it was a, it was like a cooperative thing, multiplayer thing, uh, which had a sort of procedurally generated things you'd have to puzzle, you'd have to solve, uh, with each location, different characters to pick. It was uh, really cool, but uh, I digress. Oh no no no! That's exactly how this 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 whole thing works, right? <laughs> we digress and go off to where these things make us think. But yeah, I mean for. 650 for you know something light fun again i think this kind of feels like it it could play in a similar manner to how you've set up hell slayers right to be kind of episodic you know okay we can play this with some people here and some not or whatever so you know it comes with uh looks like it comes with a fillable character sheet which is printer friendly version as well which is always nice and you need some six-sided dice, which, if you're listening to this podcast and you don't have any six-sided dice, I'm rather surprised. Or you can emulate them easily enough. Well, yes. Electronic method of choice. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, geez. And this was added yesterday. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's, that's really you pulled weird. a me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good for that. I'm good for finding the games. I, I always do that on drive-thru because, well... It's hard to narrow everything down. So I'll go to drive through, I'll go to core rulebook, and then just sort by newest to oldest. And and I'll go, that's in my interest, and it's brand new. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. 
I never thought about doing it that way. I just yeah. like start clicking on things that look interesting and then go down to the people who bought this also and go down a couple trails of that. And sometimes you find some really neat stuff that way. Agreed. But yeah, I like to just, but I'm curious with uh, how deep you can get with this, with uh, just 14 pages that I can't really tell you. There is, it looks like a preview video. So there might be some more in there. Yeah. My curiosity is peaked. I'm going to check it out. Cool. Cool. All righty. Well, I, for one, would just like to say thank you for coming back. And uh, we, we welcome you to the, uh, the Fraternal Order of Steve. <laughs> no, thank you. I accept. <laughs> and I will, um, I will add Steve to my names. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah, thanks for taking the time to come talk to us. And, and thank you for making a game that sounds this damn cool, frankly. Absolutely. Oh, I was just going to say thanks so much for having me on. It was a lot of fun, and uh, thanks for helping me pro- promote my game. Anytime. Anytime. Mm-hmm. Um, as always, links to everything that was mentioned are in the show notes. Uh, Facebook, Discord, Patreon. Uh, if you're listening to this, give us a follow on Patreon if you like. At the bare minimum, give us a review on Apple Music, iTunes, uh, Spotify. Anywhere you're listening to us and can give us a review would be much appreciated. Helps with the algorithm, helps get, get us pushed out to more people. As always, we want to remind everyone to be kind to one another and get out there and play some RPGs. Yep. Take care, y'all. Intro and outro music by the band 12 Noon. You can email us at meandsteverpg at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at andrpgs. Find us on Facebook at meandsteverpgpodcast. On Discord at meandsteverpgs. And as always, all of these links are in the show notes. Thank you, and be kind to one another. How much for the cigar? Cigar, 20 bucks, dog. You got to go down the street to the store and buy that.